Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, everyone. I'm Brenda. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. Let's get it going. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. And today we have a very special guest because that guest is my dad. Hi, dad. (laughs) Hello. Um... So today we're going to be talking about mental health, mental illness, mind-body connection, and most importantly, we're going to be talking about healing because Scott Tolchin, my dad, is a healing arts practitioner. And for those of you who don't know what that is, don't worry, we're going to get really deep into all of that. But let's just jump right in. Hi, Dad. Hi, Jules. (laughs) So tell us a little (laughs) bit. Hi, Brenda. Hello. So just tell us a little bit about you, where you're from. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. And I now live between Long Island and Miami. Lucky you. Yeah. So fun. And so let's start off by telling everybody what does a healing arts practitioner do? What are healing arts? So healing arts are various kinds of alternative healing methods that don't necessarily fall under the licensed methods, you know, that you would find in Western medicine. So you can think of Reiki and acupuncture, acupressure, yoga. Um, Well, yoga when it's targeted towards specific healing. In my case, I primarily depend on hypnosis, neurolinguistic programming, and something called havening techniques, which is the most amazing thing that I'm like really thrilled to be able to tell people about. Ooh, can you tell us what what is havening? So havening, it's just incredible. It allows you to take the emotional component of any past experience, as long as it's a a strongly felt and you have a visceral reaction type of thing, a past experience that was, you know, we use word traumatic encoding for memory, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily need to be a trauma. There are things that can happen to us, like even, you know, losing a job, you know, that may not, you know, say, oh, it's a trauma, like, you know, but it is, it can be encoded as a traumatic memory depending upon different things, which I can tell you about. But what happens is, these things that that especially when we're young they they really leave a mark for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. we, every we, we perceive our our life now through the past so in a way we're sort of reliving our past reliving our past and people get stuck and what this allows them to do is remove the emotional component from the memory permanently it's almost always permanent if it's done right it's almost always permanent or it should be always permanent and and then, and again, if you don't do it right, meaning you didn't get everything that you're supposed to, you can always go back and do it. But it's very gentle. It's not like EMDR, which is called eye movement desensitization yeah, and reprocessing. That. That's in the field of psychology. And, you know, they go into the trauma. They go out of the trauma. They go into the trauma. They go out of the trauma. In this situation, you just activate the emotion. You activate yourself once, meaning, you know, you think about it was like what it looked like what it sound like what it feel like 
and people right away will you know get sort of triggered yeah right and then you're using this this touch that on yourself or it could be applied by the practitioner on the arms face and hands and what that immediately does it simulates mother's touch mm-hmm. so our first trauma in our life was really kind of like when we were born. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> we were in this like totally protected environment? Yep. <laughs> no, no noise. We, we, every, all our needs are met, you know, and then all of a sudden, bam, you're out and it's like you have to breathe and the baby feels alone. Yeah. And that's why also abandonment, feeling of aloneness is mm-hmm. really one of the worst things. Some people would rather feel um you'll see some people stay in relationships because mm-hmm. they would ra- in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. because it it not cognit- not on an intellectual level but on a subconscious level it's more at least they're at least they're acknowledged yeah. so it's like they're not alone yeah, nobody wants absolutely. to be like totally alone in the universe yeah. i don't mean home alone but i mean alone in the universe mm-hmm. you know so when you do this process you're generating delta waves Mm-hmm. which are, are the waves that are used that come that adults experience in slow wave sleep babies and children young children first say three years they're in very high delta wave states and that's why one of the reasons why they learn so much so fast so in delta wave slow wave sleep when is when your memory is doing all of its consolidation figuring out what things to take out what things to to put together what things to save and where and i mean the processes behind that are still very, very unknown. But what this Dr. Ronald Rudin and Stephen Rudin, who are these incredible doctors, figured out after watching different types of modalities like Chinese medicine, acupuncture, acupressure, there's tapping, emotional freedom techniques, thought field therapy. Dr. Rudin, and if I say Dr. Rudin, I really mean both of them, but um, sometimes I'm talking about Ron. But um, <laughs> they figured out that... Because the the explanations were all these sort of like hoobajubu stuff, you know yeah. that that for Western doctors they didn't they don't believe in. I'm not saying they don't believe, but they weren't going with the whole chakra meridian thing back then. Right. And this has of course been developed over the last now it's 15 years, but it's still so it's pretty new. It's very new. But also psychology and the study of psychology as a whole is pretty new. Mm-hmm. Like and I with, feel like it's always evolving. Right. Like we know so little about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's always so much more to know. <laughs> yeah. And and the thing about this is, it's not really like, it is, it, it definitely can be a th- third pillar of psychology, right? So you've got, or psychiatry and psychology. Mm-hmm. So you've got medication as one. Mm-hmm. You've got talk therapy as another. Mm-hmm. This is not really about talk therapy. This is a psychosensory therapy, meaning that we're, through this touch, we're generating what's Dr. Rudin likes to call an electroceutical instead of a pharmaceutical. Mm-hmm. It's an electrochemical signal that puts the brain into delta wave state. And when the brain is in delta wave state and you have a memory that's brought into working memory and you confuse the person, you just distract them. So you use imagination, you use touch and uh, distraction. Um, the memory gets broken up and it can't reconsolidate and, and be put back together. Mm-hmm. So it's like the emotion is completely gone. So if it was like like the it's World Trade crazy. Center, yeah. you know, like the first, in one of the, in the first training I was there in, um, there was a person from, that was in the World Trade Center mm-hmm. and, um, you know, 9-11. And they told their story and you heard the emotion, you saw the emotion, you know, I mean, how can you not? Yeah, of course. And, you know, they did this as a, as a demo. And after they did the demo, which really only took about, you know, maybe 20 minutes, mm-hmm. 
they ask the person again to tell the story. The person tells the story like, well, this happened, that happened, that happened. It's like A, B, C, D, E. No more emotional attachment to it. So this no longer triggers them. Right. So you still have the memory, but you're not emotionally triggered by it and you're able to like live your life in an easier way, essentially? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What happens with trauma and PTSD, especially, uh -huh. is, and well, all of it, mm -hmm. phobias, anxiety attacks, panic attacks. There's all these types of things that are related to the fight or flight fear response. Mm -hmm. And what happens is they generalize. So first it's like for old people, a lot of times like they'll trip, break a, break a hip. After that, they're scared. So then they're, they, you know, they don't maybe do as much activities they used to. Then at some point they're, they're getting more fear or maybe they have a second fall and then they start using a cane. Then they start using a walker. All of a sudden they're in a wheelchair. They can't get anywhere anymore. Their life has become completely like such a small life. Yeah, yeah. So whenever you, you know, and, and, and that's what, and they can even become just totally homebound. So what happened, and that's with so many types of traumas, it's incredible, like a bridge phobia which is, you know, really based on heights, but people associate it with the bridge. That's mm -hmm. the way this stuff works. Mm -hmm. It's called an unconditioned threat stimulus, meaning that we're wired in with certain things. We, we have a fear of heights. We have fear of open spaces because it all comes from evolutionary biology. Mm -hmm. So we have fear of open spaces because if we're in an open field, an animal can attack us. Fear of closed spaces because we don't want to feel trapped. Mm -hmm. Fear of creepy crawly things on the ground. <laughs> fear of predators from above. Mm -hmm. And then, so these are all called unconditioned threat stimulus. And when you have an unconditional threat stimulus combined with a brain that's sort of landscaped, sort of a little bit ready to be for trauma, it's like maybe a bunch of other things have happened in someone's life and they're not in the most resilient state. Yeah. Or maybe they've had a prior trauma. So when you have that, you have the emotion. So you have the, the event, the emotion, the landscape is what I talk about, the neurobiological makeup of the brain at that point in time. What you're primed for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well said. So, um, and then the perception of inescapability. That's mm -hmm. the biggest thing. And if you're missing any one of these factors, you won't, it won't encode as a traumatic memory. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> we went over down a path. Like so yeah, much. No, but it's. I think it's information that when you hear about havening in general, I think a lot of people are like, "Well, what is that?" <laughs> you know. So for you to go so in depth, I think is going to be really beneficial and open some eyes to what it is and where to look for it and all that right. other stuff. We'll and I feel into. like a lot of people don't even people when they think about therapy, they think about regular talk therapy. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't even know that there are these alternative options that we have that like let's say talk therapy is not working or let's say talk therapy is not for you or like there's all these other options. I mean we're talking mostly about havening right now but you mentioned some others as well that might be really beneficial for people mm -hmm. and I think in your experience and in my experience of doing it with you can sometimes be done quicker than than uh, traditional talk therapy. Yeah it's the first thing that I found and I you know I mean, Julia knows. Um, I suffered from depression since I was in college. I developed it around 2021, which is also one of the reasons why we're here talking, right? Because the that in, during those ages, around 20, is a, a you know puberty is the first time mm -hmm. when you're really having a lot of hormonal changes. Then in the 20s, early 20s is the next time. Those they're very vulnerable times. Your your system is just sort of kind of being pulled in all kinds of different directions from all the hormonal forces. And that's when things like depression will awful, off, often surface. Yeah. So that happened to me in, in college. And back then, 
you know, it was you see a psychiatrist and you get medication and that's what I did. And I've been on medication. I'm 54 now and I've been on since college. My body is addicted to the medication. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, so far and I've tried and there's been lots of, you know, there's just no way that I could survive without it. Without it, I would be, I would be so suicidal without it. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, medicine doesn't make you happy. Mm Mm-hmm. And medicine Spouses. doesn't cure PTSD or anything like that. All it right. does is it can, if it works for you, if you get it right, and we've gotten it wrong lots and lots of times, <laughs> if you get it right, it can give you a sort of like baseline to work from, mm-hmm. but then you have to still do work. Yeah. And here's... I think that's where a lot of people get confused and stop. Mm-hmm. It's like, sure. you think you're on medication and that, that helps in some ways, but for a lot of people, they just stop there and yeah. then still feel like it's not working or they're stuck in, you know, they're still not to the place that they want to be. Absolutely. And I think that the the work is the part that's most intimidating for people because a lot of times you expect, oh, okay, I'm going to go to therapy or I'm going to talk to someone and or have medication and it's going to heal everything right away. And I think that the it's too hard mentality can be intimidating sometimes Mm -hmm. if it's too hard because it is like it it is hard to dig so so deep that all of these things are coming up but I remember when I was in a situation earlier on this year um, which we'll go into in a little bit Mm -hmm. but I remember I had to ask myself is what's worse like this being too hard or staying stuck and mm-hmm. in this forever. So I think that it's it's something we have to definitely circle back to. Yeah, definitely. So how did you come across Havening? So I guess I had gone through, I've gone through several periods where my medication stopped working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they label us, meaning someone that's got major depressive disorder um, or chronic or uh, bipolar disorder or bipolar 2. I have major depression disorder. One, although at one point, the last one of the last things that really sort of put this over the edge for me was I'd gone to a new psychiatrist and she had re-diagnosed me as bipolar 2, which is hypomanic depression. And the medications for that are just incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. And they basically put me into an, 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 a chemically induced depression mm-hmm. that was like, I got to the point where I was like a zombie. I mean, it was like nice. It was like totally like just disconnected from everything. Um, so I always, it's like I I. I think if I didn't have kids, it's really possible that I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's not, I, I don't think it actually, I know it. I'm just yeah. trying to be, you know, you're my daughter. So I'm trying, you know, I no, haven't No, but really... that's the truth. And a lot of people, but a, and a lot of people experience that and they don't know where to turn. Mm-hmm. And that's why something like this is so incredible. And people being honest about being in that place is so helpful because a lot, I think a lot of people look around and they're like, well, everyone else is fine and no one feels what I feel or has survived what I'm feeling. Like, I feel like a lot of people, it's either they, they did it and they're not here anymore or mm-hmm. they're fine. Mm-hmm. And it's really not the truth. No, people struggle with it all the time. I have struggled with it um, at various times, you know, in my life right now. Thank God everything's good. Mm-hmm. But I've had years where I really for a number of years every day. I really wished I could just kill myself, but I would not do it because mm-hmm. because I had children and mm-hmm. I knew what that would do to them. So that level of despair and pain mm-hmm. is really, it's almost impossible to, to, to articulate. And the only time I ever find that people sort of really get it is once in a while I've, I've had someone who sort of like, I tried to explain it to them, but then later on in life something happened to them and then they got it. And then they would call me back and be like, 
wow like it's <gasps> yeah. like a different reality yeah. you have no idea what you know so to me like when i use the word depression i think it's overused because there's low-grade depression mm-hmm. actually there's something called dysthymia which nobody ever uses that word but that's a really low-grade depression but i use it with a capital d depression for me is like yeah you know what you want to kill yourself you feel you it's like and it it hurts emotionally and it hurts physically. Yeah. yeah. Like my whole body, everything hurts. Mm-hmm. Just It's just pain. Yeah. It's just living in pain. I used to tell people, you know, in Psalms, I say, yeah, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. I'm like, dude, I live in the valley of shadow <laughs> of death. You know? Yeah. So I guess I am a little proud of that I was able to take this this much abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it is self-inflicted. Totally. And keep trying. I always would go to sleep, like sort of, thank God it's the end of the day. But then I would start the next day again. Mm-hmm. I would start the next day every day again. And even though, and it's usually the worst in the morning too. So a lot of times yeah. the, the next day didn't go too well either. Right. But I just never stopped. And I just did all these kinds of things. I did rational emotive therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectic behavioral therapy. You know, your typical kind of regular psychoanalysis type of therapy. Yeah, you've really tried it yeah. all. Yeah. And this is, this is like the big thing for me. I'm, I'm not totally knocking therapy. There are, there's definitely, mm-hmm. it has its uses. If someone is so out of whack, either with anxiety, depression, that their prefrontal cortex is not really online. Mm-hmm. They don't have the tools. It's like you're trying to use your mind to fix your mind, but, you're, but you don't have, you're not, you're not able to use your mind. Wow. Right. You know I've what I mean? i never thought so of it like yeah. that. Yeah. It's like you've got, a, you know, so it's like you got a broken tool and you're trying to use it to fix it. You know, the same, it's just, I never like thought it out to like really make it elegant sounding, right. but but no, that's but... really what it is. So with psychology, you have to be able to at least get to a point where you can be engaged enough and have enough energy and be rational enough to then put the tools to use. And that's why it takes so long. And then the other thing is, and, and this one's huge for me, is that every time you tell a story, the same story. You're wiring and firing the same neurological networks. Mm-hmm. They're getting stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. It's called potentiation. They're getting stronger and stronger. And basically, instead of fixing things, you're making things worse. You're yeah. making it even harder. Yeah. So if you, it's okay if you get to a resolution. But like also, a cognitive resolution doesn't mean that you have a resolution. So for example, I may understand that, okay, Scott, you had an abusive stepfather violent and i could say now well i'm an adult and you know he had his problems and um Mm. he didn't necessarily you know mean it towards me personally it was you know you could pity somebody like that whatever i choose not to he can drop dead (laughs) (laughs) but but the point but what i'm saying is is what like if i accepted all that and i forgive him and all this other stuff it doesn't matter the trauma still is encoded and wired in my brain and in my body Mm So all the rationalization, right? Same thing with like phobias, probably people can get more of an understanding about it, right? Like Mm -hmm. I said, like you, a person has a phobia knows, like I'm afraid to drive in a car, Mm -hmm. you know, on a highway. And let's say they don't know what happened. So they just know they're afraid to drive in a car on a highway. They know it's irrational. They know Mm -hmm. they don't have a reason for it. And you Mm -hmm. could say, but right, you could tell them all the statistics and how driving, you know, it Mm -hmm. doesn't make a damn bit of difference in terms of the way that they feel. Yeah. So with, with havening, with this psychosensory therapy, we are literally disconnecting. We are literally we rewiring your, mm-hmm. your brain. Mm-hmm. We are taking that memory. We are disconnecting the emotional component from it. It no longer can trigger you. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes just another memory. Mm-hmm. 
And then yeah. you go out. I mean, and I do this. I have clients. And also the other things, if I know what the issue was, in other words, if there was a car accident and, and if I get the whole thing and, and I uh-huh. like, cause sometimes you don't know why somebody has a phobia. Right. Like for example, a lot of times people who have claustrophobia really, a lot of times they had a drowning accident and they never realized Like when it. they were a kid. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it turned into claustrophobia. Mm. Um, so sometimes it takes a while to track down these things right. and that's where the sort of art in this comes. Mm-hmm. But once you get it, it's a process that almost anybody can do with someone else. I mean, I'm not suggesting that they do. And it's good, like, if you're going to work with people that have had a lot of trauma, you, you need to know how to, you of know, course. how to work with them. Yeah. But it's like, you just trust the process because it so incredibly works. Mm-hmm. So it's the first thing I've ever found that actually, instead of, like, trying to go over something or, like, in your brain, you know, trying to develop a new pathway or a new way to think about something, it, instead you're erasing the first one. So now you can just put down new ones. Yeah. So it's it's like No, that that's so incredible. powerful. It's it so, so powerful sense. to think that you're literally changing the entire significance of of what something, you know, meant. Yeah. And it like frees people. It frees mm-hmm. them. So for me, I think what I the way I found it was I had found after so much time with so much money on psychotherapies and then doing other things, yoga and meditation. I, I think everybody should do yoga and meditation. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, but for this type of like, you know, pinpoint, you know, type of thing where you're trying to just, you know, get this thing. So, yes, I started reading. I always read tons and tons of books and self-help yeah. books. And I stumbled upon this book, this guy, Dr. Bruce Lipton, uh, The Biology of, of Belief. And started talk, learning about epigenetics, mm-hmm. lear, learning about how the environment um, changes our, our gene expression. And that led me towards uh, something called The Body Keeps the Score, which is a book about trauma and how it's held in the body. Yeah, And then, you know, there were a couple other books that led me to, and then finally led me to Dr. Rudin's book, which is called When the Past is Always Present. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Rudin, Rudin explained this thing totally like neurobiologically like what's going on and i realized that my depression was not the was not the problem i mean it was a problem but it wasn't the root the root was all the trauma Mm. it's the trauma and also when i use the word trauma i also want to make sure i'm using the when 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 i talk about trauma um it also has to do with with attachment wounds Mm -hmm. meaning if someone did not like, if a, if a baby's not held when they come when they are born, mm. um, they 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 that develop. Is a trauma. Yes, that yeah. is a trauma. And if they never get touched, mm-hmm. they can actually die. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are you know ch- like a parent, say a parent's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Everybody always thinks that the person's going to have the problem with the alcoholic parent. Well, they do. But if the other parent did not protect the child, mm-hmm. the child feels abandoned by the by the other mm-hmm. parent. So a lot of times the the problem is even more directed at the at the parent and and they didn't the parent didn't mean to no to, right you know they were trying to deal with this with this other huge yeah. problem so but it does again rational rationally you could say well, my dad did the best they could blah 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 mm-hmm. doesn't matter mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because this is how it's wired in your body and you got to get rid of it and this is the only thing that I know that that really actually erases it yeah and permanently this, this really amazing. reminds me of one of these one woman that I really, really admire who's been a mentor for me, she always says it's not about what you do, but how it makes you feel. And mm-hmm. that really rings true to me because I, I talk to Julie about this all the time is that her and I could do 
the exact same thing. But it can ring differently to me than it does to her because it has a different significance. So for you to use all those examples with not just attachment, you know, from a young age, but just significance and and meaning that something has towards your life, that it's about how it makes you feel. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just so powerful. And also a lot of times I feel like you don't even, we we don't even know that Mm -hmm. that something set off a trauma. No, you have no idea. Or we don't remember. Or it was something so small that when we think about it rationally, we can say, oh, well, that didn't traumatize me. Mm -hmm. But it might. Like I, in college and senior year of high school, I developed these like random anxiety attacks, remember? Mm -hmm. I never had anxiety my whole life. All of a sudden I was having these like, paralyzing anxiety attacks and I luckily I had this resource right here (laughs) and we worked on it for what maybe like two three weeks doing we didn't even like but we didn't even even. really work on it like with you we did havening touch yeah and we just like the touch itself is is the like I said the electroceutical that's the thing that's doing the work Mm -hmm. but we didn't really specifically deal with anything we we, because you didn't really want to do that at that time you know high school kids don't want you were somewhat resistant to that but all you you know we did was just the havening touch and Mm -hmm. you saw that that like not you saw you felt you experienced Mm -hmm. that it totally calmed you down and what you're doing is every time you're doing it there's this thing called allostatic load Mm -hmm. which is basically when your body's in a in homeostasis everything's humming along nicely and it heals it's doing its self-repair as it needs it you know you use your energy up during the day and then you replenish at night and and your memory's doing all its consolidation and all this kind of stuff but when you have chronic issues which like usually are because of not always because of trauma, but but anyway, it's because sometimes it's not even the big things that get you. It's the right. little stuff that builds up, builds yeah, up, yeah. builds up. So it's like so you're true. just you're just encoding stuff in your body, in your nervous system, and that's called allostatic load. And as the allostatic load, you know, goes higher, your system's trying to self-correct and it can't get back to where it was. And now, you know, it's you're out of whack. And basically, so with what we with the way we did it, you were just sort of like imagine this like a that your body's like you know, like a container and it's filled up with stress. Mm-hmm. Every time you do havening touch, you're removing some of that. Mm-hmm. You, we not, not, might not know exactly what you're removing, right? but you're removing some of that. And, and then also with havening, it's not just about taking away because when you take away something like, for example, fibromyalgia, mm-hmm. right? There are a lot of physical ailments that are psychologically triggered mm-hmm. or um or emotionally triggered or emotionally sustained a lot of autoimmune autoimmune diseases we have had like a lot of success with these things of course you always go and you get things Since checked out by right. a regular doctor mm-hmm. you, you, we would never like of course it's about know. combining resources right. mm-hmm. yeah i mean we don't diagnose we're not doctors i'm a, i'm not a doctor i'm not a psychiatrist you know i'm, I'm not a psychologist I, i'm you know i tell everybody you know, I, I tell them my story, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, this is where I came from. I needed help. And I found these various tools along the way. I feel like a lot of people, in my experience too, like a lot of people don't, they don't think they're bad enough yes. to need to seek help. And I find that a lot with like our friends who, you know, women in your twenties, it's a really, it's a really vulnerable time mm-hmm. and you don't feel like you're bad enough that you need to seek out, you know, therapy or other healing arts but it's it's funny because like we can improve our lives so much even if there's just like this little thing or this other little thing and I feel like all the time we hear from our friends right Brenda that like yeah oh I have this thing going on I have this thing going on and no one seeks no one seeks help right so 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 you're you're kind of stumbling and fumbling around and because you don't think 
that there's anything major going on. Right, it's if just, you haven't had a real right, drama. It's the little quotes. stuff that, it's the little everyday stuff mm-hmm. that gets you all the yeah. time. Even if you're not doing well, you know, you saw, we've, you know, we've had a couple of houses destroyed by two hurricanes and you saw, I pop into emergency mode and I do what I have to do. The big things we can handle, mm-hmm. but it's the little things like day after day. And it's just like, you know, it just wears you down and wears you down. You build up that allostatic load. So Havening takes that out. But there was one, what you just said, I thought it was really important to talk about. When do people need help? Why do they need help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially kids, uh, guys, kids. I'm sorry if I used to kids. <laughs> Young adults kids. in the 20s. <laughs> because first of all, this is another thing that's different about coaching and havening and hypnosis. Things, you know, that, that are not necessarily of the psychology field, neuro-linguistic programming, all these things I'm trained in. We do not believe that you're broken. We don't come from a point of, oh, I'm broken. I need to be fixed. Mm -hmm. There's nothing really wrong. And it's true. If you look at your evolutionary biology, why do we have these fears that we have, the unconditional threat stimulus that I told you about? They're meant to keep us alive. But the problem is our way of life has not caught up, Mm. you know, with our biology has not caught up with our way of life. So if you have a report due for work or something and you're not getting it done, you could lose your job and you could lose everything. And that's the same as almost being like attacked by a tiger and losing your family. Yeah. You know, not in, that's how your body responds to it. That's how your body processes that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have the same visceral reactions. It's so crazy. Absolutely. And I think that it's it's so important that you're talking so specifically about what this is in general, because I think people around our age not only don't know about, maybe enough even about regular talk therapy, really. It's just really gives some perspective on where, you know, where people can find people like you. And we'll go into that in a little bit. But more so when I was when you were talking before about sometimes people not even being aware of trauma that exists mm-hmm. when I worked with Scott back in March you know I was really really going through a hard time but I I had no idea like I expected to like I expected the issue to be the one thing I was aware of mm-hmm. I had no idea that there would be all of these waves and waves of things that were so ingrained in my subconscious and from childhood and I, I literally, I, I remember how much emotion <laughs> I felt just from actually starting to become aware of that. And today, only, you know, less than a year later, I find myself being more aware and in tune with all of my <laughs> emotions than I ever had before. And I really do have to thank Scott for helping me get there because I, and Julia, of course, because I think it's important to surround yourself by people that are willing to listen to you and help you through your hardest times and also the great moments. But if Julia hadn't pointed me to Scott, I don't know where I would be today, honestly, (laughs) because I was in such a dark place. And if you know me as a person, you know, I'm not, you know, Mm. I have, I try not to be negative and and any of that stuff. I love to be there But also like you were doing everything that you knew how to do. Like you weren't just sitting home feeling, you know, sad about where you were. You really were working, but you didn't have the right tools at the time. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's the problem a lot of people run into, even if they're doing the work, maybe. And like you said, you were, dad, you were doing the work. You were going to the psychiatrist, Mm -hmm. you were on the medication, you were reading the books, Mm -hmm. but it's about finding finding the right thing that works for you absolutely and and even so I think there are so many especially now too like online communities and all of these different resources that I think are available for people and 
I remember after a few sessions with Scott, he would say to me, like, I really see, uh, like, the light around the corner or something like that. And I'm like, do you? Because I, I don't see it right now. But mm-hmm. the, it's so crazy to feel like I, like I'm there now. Mm-hmm. And that starting with a practice like this not only gave me something to go back to in moments when certain feelings still come up, but also really opened the doors for me for self-care overall because it's tricky in your 20s. Mm-hmm. It's tricky to be okay with not only seeking help, but I think a lot of times we compare ourselves to our past selves and, oh, mm-hmm. you know, I, maybe for some, like, for some people, oh, I wasn't there before. How did this happen? You know, how did I get here? And I think we start to get hung up with just all of those expectations, really, that, that we have of ourselves and that we have when comparing ourselves to other people, too. And I think I think the really, one of the things that I love the most about Havening in particular is and you said it like you can then after you've worked with a practitioner like you Scott you you then have the tools to do it when you need it Mm -hmm. because like I know for me if I ever I don't have anxiety attacks like that anymore I don't but if I ever start to feel anxious I know the havening touch now Mm -hmm. and I know the practices that I can use while doing the touch and I can do it on myself at home and like I do it for one minute and I feel so much better Mm -hmm. and like that's why I think it's such a great tool to have because once you've really wiped out that that trauma or traumas, whenever something starts to come up again, you don't necessarily even need to go and see someone again. You mm-hmm. kind of have the tools to handle it by yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We, we really want, the doctors really want everybody in the world to use this. Um, and we've used it in so many different situations with combat veterans, with domestic violence, with, you know, your basic, you know, everyday kinds of phobias and mm-hmm. and you know, panic attacks, interesting panic attacks. Everybody says, oh, they come out of nowhere. They don't understand where they come from. So where they come from is when a, when you have your memory is encoded traumatically. Mm-hmm. What you've got is the, the, the threatening content, right? Like a guy holding a gun to you. That gun is the threatening content. The meaning is I'm going to die. You also have along with the, the gun, you've got the context, you know, who is it that's holding the gun towards you? What's the situation? Why is it happening? Mm-hmm. And then the other complex content, which is just everything around. So if something happens like you're mugged in an alley mm-hmm. and um, you don't notice it at the time and you wouldn't even notice it later, but maybe there's a little pink bunny rabbit in the background. <laughs> Every time you see a pink bunny rabbit, you will go into a panic attack. And that's why yeah. so many people go into panic attacks when they go outside of their homes because that's where they see something that, that on a subconscious level is triggering this because any any one part of those of the memory, any anyone like again, the complex content, the context, the event, all these things, any one of them will bring up, you know, could be a smell. It could be, we'll bring up the whole memory. Mm-hmm. So they're not really out of nowhere. Yeah. But yeah, it takes a while also to track that down. Yeah, to really figure out what what association you have with the thing that's that's triggering. Yeah. And I want to say one more thing. When we work in Brenda, um, what's great about Havening also is is you come up with the answers. <laughs> that's right? so true. Yeah. Right? That's I'm not so telling true. you this happened because of that. That's psychology. Yeah. That's not the way this works. Mm-hmm. You, it, you really... People really have everything that they need in order to heal, but they just don't have, you know, a tool and a way to access it. Havening puts you in this delta wave state that is an altered state. Um, you don't feel like, you know, but <laughs> but it but 
things bubble up. Yeah. They come up as they just come up. They just they just I remember I was then like this is all just coming out of me. <laughs> I'm like there's no stopping all of this information, but it's all within you. It really all mm-hmm. the answers are within you with the guidance of someone who is so passionate and you know well trained in this area. Thank you. You're mm-hmm. welcome. <laughs> um a thing that I feel like we come up against when we're talking to friends of ours and when we see people going through something, whatever it may be, I I have found that a lot of people are resistant mm-hmm. to alternative therapies especially. Um people <laughs> are resistant to talk therapy, I find a lot, but I think specifically when I offer what you do or people like you do to people they're resistant Mm -hmm. yeah and i don't i can't wrap my head around why it's the it that is the thing that that frustrates me so much Mm -hmm. especially when i find people that are in so much pain right it's like this can help and that i know that i that in certain cases where i can clearly you know see the pattern where it comes from possibly that it could happen so fast that they can Mm -hmm. feel so much better and they're like oh yeah i'll call they most of the time they never call it's just unbelievable and then the parents call for i'm i in in um you know my other daughter's in college and a lot of parents will contact Mm -hmm. my wife and you know on behalf of the kid if the kid's not willing to do it it's not going to happen of course so it's it's just incredible i think there's the stigma right of course of the oh i need help this again i'm broken there's something wrong Mm -hmm. we know Especially with people our age or people in college, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's even stronger. Yeah, and I think that comes along too with like the power of a label. I think we're so, of course, if someone labels you as something, you really start to believe Mm -hmm. it. And I remember actually Mm -hmm. that when I was working with Scott, I had said a phrase and he was like, don't you label yourself. You know, you are not broken. And I remember that was so powerful to me because I think that when you associate yourself with something, you really start to believe it. And, And what you believe changes everything you know if you believe Mm -hmm. that things are I remember I had to consistently believe myself that things were going to get better Mm -hmm. and in the moments when I didn't it made everything so much harder yeah yeah you know Picasso I think really sort of had this I don't know you know this cubist the way Mm -hmm. that they sort of he makes all these things into cubes so like you're a whole person and as soon as you you put yourself in a little cube box your life becomes very very small and you define yourself through that Right. So I have ulcerative colitis. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I say this is my ulcerative colitis, like it becomes my identity. I'm I have like it's I tell everybody and it's so terrible. And, you know, all of a sudden it's like my whole life is ruled by ulcerative colitis. And I am now in the little box of the ulcerative colitis. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's a, it, and this is what people do. I, I have depression. I have anxiety. I have this, whatever it is. And when they start using the words like my, you know. My, because now they're taking ownership. It's identity mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. You know, these things, you know, people are just scared. And then the other thing is that sometimes because you've been living your way, your life this way, mm-hmm. and there are always secondary, what's called secondary gain. There are all, our behaviors are always trying to do good for us. Mm-hmm. So there are usually secondary gains that people are not aware of. This is something else I really want to talk about. So for example, like a kid, let's say that, let's say someone has some sort of, you know, mood disorder, you know, anxiety, whatever that they're dealing with. They tell their parents about it. The parents sort of shrug it off because, and this is, we really got to get into, you know, parents being able to, Mm -hmm. to listen to their children and, and become a little more aware. Mm -hmm. Um, If you, so, so let's say like I needed help and I needed, let's say I needed money. 
mm-hmm. because therapy is very expensive. Mm-hmm. I have to go to a parent possibly mm-hmm. and say I need this money for this therapy, and the parents are like, oh no, you'll you know you'll be okay. You're just in a mood, mm-hmm. whatever. Okay, so then it gets so then what happens? I get worse, mm-hmm. and then I say it again and again. If they're resistant, what happens is I have to prove to them that I am so oh, bad wow. that yeah. I need help. Yeah. Now what happens is I am literally creating, I'm literally building this disease up within myself yeah. worse. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't like the word disease, wow. but I'm, I'm creating this condition within myself. Mm-hmm. Again, this is on happening subconsciously, but this t- sort of like where you have to prove to somebody that you're so bad. Like, you know what? Why don't you believe your kid? And you know what? If, if, if they are trying to get over on you, you'll figure it out soon enough. It's right. better than not believing your kid and they put a bullet in their head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it does happen. And it does happen a lot and the numbers are rising, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But that's why we're so lucky to have you on so that anyone who is struggling, there are there are options and there are affordable options and there's a, there's alternative options if what you're doing is not working. Yeah, and there's a lot of great alternative stuff out there. Yeah. I'm, I I am a little, you know, I'm biased. I, I love this thing. I think it's because just it really incredible. changed your life <laughs> yeah. it really did but i also meditate mm-hmm. um i was doing yoga for a while I haven't lately but um you know there's this i like wim hof has this breathing method there's different things that i use i'm always trying to do more and trying to expand my knowledge and trying to make myself be the best that i can be mm-hmm. so i wouldn't discount anything else but i'm but this thing to me is just like it's so it's almost it's like magic it seems like yeah. magic if you knew about this stuff and what you know now when you were in your 20s do you think you know what do you think would have been different do you think you would have been relieved of a lot of years of pain oh i can't imagine how unbelievably different it would have been um just it affects every aspect of your life absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i always wanted to be a musician i'm sure i would be yeah (laughs) you know it's like you get so beaten down and you don't believe you could achieve your dreams yeah. yeah, And you, again, start living a small life, a little box. Yeah, right. absolutely. And I think that with anything related to mental health, often when you are so in it, in the depths of what you're going through, you don't have the mental space to even like think about your dreams, you know? So true. And mm-hmm. that is one of the biggest things that I really have to thank you for and, and to, you know, all the people out there that are helping people that are struggling because I think that when... Like, I personally have so much more mental space right now to do things like podcasts with one of my best <laughs> friends and, you know, all of these things that I could not even imagine at that time. So it, it's just so powerful. And I think that just going back to being in your 20s and how you didn't come across this at the time, but that so many people in their 20s could probably find or, you know, achieve their dreams and all that stuff too if they take the time to really heal the stuff that that's going on underneath mm-hmm. but i think that part of what um with this with the stigma with mental health mm-hmm. is that we have this idea that we have to have it all together and that if we don't have it all together you know what do we have to show it's really big on really showing our highlight reels nowadays yeah it really is unfortunately we have to kind of get to our last question because we are coming to the end of our time, but we'll have to do a part two because oh I feel gosh, like there's just so to. much more that I we can get into it's here. The end. <laughs> um, but we kind of asked this to all our guests. If uh, you could tell your 20-year-old self anything, it doesn't have to be related to what we just spoke about. It doesn't have to be related to mental health or it can be. If you could tell your 20-year-old self something, what would you tell yourself? It would be, it would be 
to really try to hone in, tune into your authentic self, follow your bliss, follow your dream. Don't let people, you know, say you can't do this. If you don't have the, you know, the backing that you need as a parent, let's say for college with money and stuff like that, there are loans. Find a way. Mm-hmm. Find a way because at first of all, when you're young, you can take these chances and still totally recover. Even if, you know, it doesn't work out, you can still do other stuff. Yeah. That's the time to do it. Not when you're married and you have kids and all this other stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that being in congruence with who you really are is really such a liberating way to live your life. Mm, absolutely. Because really, it doesn't matter what other people think. Yeah. It doesn't matter what other people say. It may matter for getting a particular job or something like that, but that's just an instance. There's a whole world out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And just before we go, where can people find you? Um, superfyyourlife.com. So it's su- not superfly, superfy. <laughs> S-U-P-E-R-F-Y, yourlife.com. Awesome. And then I know I just got a beautiful gift from you, your book. Do you want to share a little bit about that before we go? Oh, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) um, So last year, I'm one of uh, 50 authors that participated in this book called um, Activate Your Life, 50 Transformational Exercises from Coaches Around the World. So I have a chapter in there and you can get that on, on Amazon. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, So I just want to say before we wrap up, if you or if anybody you know is struggling with anything at all, check out Scott's website. Even if you want to just learn a little bit about more about what we talked about, I know he you have links up there, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And don't be afraid to reach out. Yeah. If you don't mind, just one more thing. You know, I'm I'm open to people talking to me. They don't have to use me. Mm -hmm. I went through hell. I don't want other people to go through hell. Mm -hmm. So. I have no problem with just to talk and maybe they want to do something or else so I can recommend something or whatever. But, you know, it's about it's about the healing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Scott's an example and we are an example that it works. It works. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thank, Thank you. you Scott. Thanks, girls. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Friday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.